What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to the News Podcast. My name is Solomon Elite at Solomon Elite NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm pretty good. So I figured we'd just start this podcast off with the question I got this afternoon from Daddy Fat Sacks. Where are you on the Rockets now? Do you still see them as second round fodder who shouldn't even think about the Warriors? I don't I don't want to get caught up in recency bias over their current stretch, but I think we finally turned the corner. Um so the Rockets have won six games in a row since we last recorded. Uh, they've looked really impressive since the All-Star break on both ends of the floor. They've become an average defense. They've, they're like 16th in defense since the All-Star break. And like in defensive rebounding, they're starting to become average there too. It seems like health was a bigger factor than I originally thought. Like when Clint Capella came back, it cleaned up so much for them on the rebounding side of the ball. And their defense is slowly starting to chug along. Chris Paul starting to slowly get back into shape. And they look like a much better basketball team. Yeah, uh, they are a lot more impressive than they were previously. Uh, health does seem to have made a pretty big difference. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what to do with them right now because they do look just so completely different than what they looked like for the first third to 50% of the season, right? Uh, and I don't know if, if it is. Maybe it's just the health. Uh, I kind of think they had to round in the shape a little bit. Like, Chris Paul looks like he's finally close to 100%, and he did not look close to 100% before. Uh, so I think the health's a lot of it. I think some of the uh, some of the newer guys are getting used to assignments and rotations. Uh, also, they've just been playing well in March when a lot of teams just don't play well. So uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, I, it's hard to tell if this is how much this is a mirage because some of it is a mirage because some of every part of the NBA season is a mirage. Uh, but winning six games in a row is good. Uh, they've won over good teams, a whole bunch yeah. of good teams. The uh, quality of opponents yeah. is really the eyebrow-raising part of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, these are not... You know, these are teams like the Raptors and the Celtics and the Warriors, right? Uh, these are yeah. these are teams that actually are, are at the top of their respective conferences. So it's it's very encouraging. Uh, I would say don't 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 count your chickens before they hatch at all. Uh, there's a lot of there's a bunch of season left, and moreover, there's a lot of playoffs left. So 
this is definitely a so far so good. Uh, they're moving in the right direction in a big way. Just keep an eye out and make sure they continue moving in that direction because especially as they try to uh, incorporate um, Amon Schumpert in the rotation once he gets back again. That's uh, gonna, you know, the defense is gonna have to have some more, gonna have to get some reps in. Uh, their defensive ceiling is definitely a lot higher, but how much they can stay at that ceiling is the question. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we should also mention they moved into the third seed. Uh, they're at a three-way tie right now. Uh, obviously, that's gonna change. There's still a lot of season to be played uh, with the Blazers and um, the Thunder, so it, it's gonna be interesting to see how the seeding shakes out. As yeah. far as the question here is, like, do I still see them as second-round fodder? We shouldn't even think about the Warriors. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I, I feel like I, I kind of see them closer to where I saw the 2017 Rockets. Uh, it's like it's like somewhere in between the 2017 Rockets and the tw- 2018 Rockets. You know that that fun Rockets team with with like Ryan Anderson yeah. and Eric Gordon and Patrick Beverly and Trevor Ariza, where they were an average defense that had the capability to become good defense on some nights but I'm, I'm still not at, at the point where it was last year where do you remember where where we were talking about our expectations going into the playoffs last year where I was like in my mind I had penciled them into the Western Conference Finals because they were that historically dominant I'm like okay they're gonna make the Western Conference Finals and my expectation for them was they had to be competitive my expectations aren't there yet uh, I expect them to be a good second round team uh, a second-round team that has a legitimate chance at the conference finals, and when they get there, they could be competitive. I'm not sure if they will be. Like last year, I thought they could be. So it, it, it's a mix between 17, 2017 and 2018. Like I, I'm somewhere in the middle of that, of those two seasons. It, they're definitely yeah. a step up from where they were in the first half of the season, but I, I'm not, you know, like I, I'm not penciling them in to the conference finals by any means. Yeah, they're not as good as they were last year still. They're they're a lot closer than they were. Uh, but yeah, they're not that good yet. A lot of it is going to depend on matchups. Like, if they happen to get, like, if they draw, say, the Nuggets in the second round, then there's going to be a lot of... Uh, it's going to be pretty likely they move to the conference finals just because they happen to have the Nuggets numbers. Uh, but if it's, you know, if, it, if it's like... Uh, like, the Thunder are going to be a lot harder out, right? Something like that. So... We'll see. Uh, for what it's worth, they are going to be in fourth place by the end of the day tomorrow. That's going to happen because the Nugget, the uh, the Blazers and the Thunder play each other, so one of them has to win a game. Yeah, they can't. They can't both lose. Yeah. At least I, I don't think they can. I, I gotta go. I gotta go look over that CBA again. <laughs> it would be a first. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I really like the the way this question was phrased. I don't want to get caught up in the recency bias over the current stretch. That's the right way to look at this. That's the right way to look at this. March is weird. A lot of teams have their guards down. It's been a long season. Um, the good teams just want to end it. Like they're, they're ready to go. They're they're, <laughs> yeah. they're done tr- trying to get high up. Off cough like, the Warriors. Right. Yeah. Warriors, Raptors, all those teams. They're pretty much where they're going to be in the standings, and so they're just trying to get to the playoffs. And they have a lot of them don't see the Rockets as much of a threat because of what they've been all season. So uh, just just. Like, those wins are definitely impressive, but just keep a little bit of an asterisk by it because it is March. So I think I feel much better about them than I did when we had that podcast with Matt Moore and where I was like, okay, I think they're going to eliminate in the second round. I, but I, I don't, I'm still not all the way there yet to where I thought about last year's Rockets team. Yeah, uh, they, I, 
they definitely have a real shot at making the conference finals, and weirdly, they seem like they have as much of a shot at the Warriors as anybody does, because the Warriors just, they just own the Warriors now, and for the time being, I don't know why, uh, but that seems to be what's happening. I don't count on it happening during the playoffs, but like, I don't know, they've played the Warriors as well as anybody has this season, so... Who knows? It's all a big who knows. So if it's a, saying anything else, I think is a, a bit arrogant. But right now, it's things are moving in the right direction, but things can always go wrong. Uh, next question from our guy Ali Khan Bajani at Rockets underscore Insider: What is the Rockets' most optimal lineup? So uh, me and Ali Khan are actually having a debate right now as to what that optimal lineup would be. I think Iman Shumpert is the ideal small forward. For this basketball team, I, I I've thought that when they traded for him, and I still think that I think he is um, he just has a lot of playoff experience. Like I, I I trust him more at the small forward position to defend bigger threes than I do Eric Gordon. Uh, Eric Gordon like is you know he he's not as bad defensively as he was in New Orleans, but I I just don't trust him defensively out there against the very best of teams. So I think the the Rockets' most optimal lineup. In my opinion, you can have a different answer than me. It's that starting lineup with Iman Shumpert swapped in for Eric Gordon. I think, obviously, any optimal lineup for the Rockets is going to include Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella. Um, and probably P.J. Tucker. Uh, and that fifth spot is going to be anybody. It's probably going to be who's playing best at that particular moment of the game. Like, that's probably what's going to happen. Like, it could be Austin Rivers some nights. It could be Eric Gordon some nights. It could be Iman Shumpert some nights. I think it's probably Iman Shumpert. Um, what do you think? Oh, man. Uh, so are we talking, like, crunch time, we need our best lineup on the floor? That's what, like, yeah. not starting lineup, but, like, you know, who's the best one? Yeah, I would, man. I would say crunch time lineup. Yeah. I think it might be Eric Gordon because he offers more offensively, and that's where they tend to get bogged down when they do get bogged down. Uh, but I think it's close. It's a close thing between whether you're going to have Eric Gordon or Iman Shumpert there. Um, Eric Gordon's definitely the better player uh, overall. But, yeah, Iman Shumpert's fit is extremely good. I don't know. I, I tend to go with you need as many guys who can, who can uh, create their own shot as possible in most scenarios. Realistically, it's going to depend on the matchup, honestly, like what, what their size is. Can Eric, is it a team who's small enough that Eric Gordon can be a plausible three out there, or do you need someone with a bit more length like Schumpert? Uh, I think I would give a slight edge to Eric Gordon just because he's a better player and I like creation, but that, it, it is tough. Um, I think it, it, yeah. I like this answer from Alex Swaim at Phoenix Ashes. Chris Paul, James Harden. Two PJ Tuckers and Clint Capella. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I mean, okay, yeah, that, that's the one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, for what it's worth, a lot of people answered this question for us, so uh, that's great. Uh, for Alicon, you got a bunch of answers there to work with. Um, at Caleb Harden nine playoff rotation. So, I think their their this their playoff rotation is going to be similar to where it is right now. Uh, you're probably going to have to swap out Gary Clark with uh, Iman Shumpert. And you're probably going to, like, it's going to be James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker. It's going to be um, Eric Gordon. It's going to be off the bench, Kenneth Fareed, Iman Shumpert, Austin Rivers. And I I have a feeling that they'll 
I mean, it, it's not a feeling. I, I think they'll get Daniel House back by the end of the season. Like, because it just makes too much sense to convert him. Even If you're going to bring him back, which they have to bring him back to the lineup anyways, and they're not going to go over the tax at this point, like, it's mathematically impossible. So you might as well bring him back. You might as well convert him. Um, they can convert him right now if they wanted to and not go over the tax. So I think Daniel House will be a part of that playoff rotation. Nene is going to be hard to play, but I think he's probably going to be the backup center just because there's going to be a day off between every playoff game, so he'll have some rest time. But, yeah, I think it's going to be the guard rotation, Chris Paul, James Harden, and Eric Gordon with Austin Rivers coming in there for some spot minutes. Uh, The wing position, it's going to be Iman Shumpert, P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green. Um, It's going to be probably Daniel House. And for the forward position, forward slash center, you're going to see Clint Capella, obviously. You're going to see Dene. You're going to see P.J. Tucker play some small, uh, play some power forward. You're going to see Kenneth Fareed. And, yeah, that's that's their playoff rotation's pretty close to finish. Yeah, they they're basically are what they're going to be. Um, so, speaking of house, uh, so, yeah, like you said, if, if they give him the minimum, he'll, he won't push him into the, the luxury tax at this moment. Um, but what if they give him more, right? So they have, obviously, the remainder of their mid-level exception that they can offer him. Um, and, I mean, do you think that they're, do you think that the delay is because they're trying to see if he'll take that for a multi-year deal so they can have his, you know, actually have bird rights on him? Yeah, the Rockets are playing hardball with them. Like, they have an offer sitting on the table, and it's what's been reported. Um, it's, it's that three-year deal, minimum. Uh, pretty much what they offered to Gary Clark, except it's going to be fully guaranteed. I think uh, last last time I checked, I think it's going to be f- three years fully guaranteed minimum. And they're just, right now, it's who blinks first. You know, do, do the Rockets blink first and convert them for the rest of the season, which is what Daniel House wants? Or, or does House's camp blink first and accept that offer and, you know, get, get some financial security for the, for three seasons? Because he has bounced around the league, so it makes sense that they might want to come back to the table and take that. So what's likely going to happen is he's going to get converted and he's probably going to become a restricted free agent this summer. And this this goes to a question we got from at Damon Vo. Please elaborate on the Daniel House situation a little bit more. If the Rockets don't offer him an NBA contract, does that mean he becomes a restricted free agent with a two-year, a two-way qualifying offer? Uh, and they can match any offer from any other teams or is can they only match two-way contracts? So... Uh, I wrote about this in a column earlier this season. Pretty much, his qualifying offer is going to be a two-way contract. Uh, it's going to be another two-way contract, uh, and they can they can theoretically match anything that that's given to him, including non-two-way contracts. But they won't be able to afford much, which is why they don't want to get into a situation where he enters restricted free agency, like which is why they're trying to get him locked up for three years. But they're not going to have much to work with to resign Daniel House. So that's that's where it, that's where it stands. He's he's going to have a two way contract as a qualifying offer. Yeah, and they have what uh, it looks like they have three point nine left on their mid level exception. Uh, right. So yeah, and, and they'll have to dip into that to offer him yeah. a three three year minimum. I mean, from my point of view, uh, I think that's obviously what you want to do, right? Is that you give him. You basically give him as much of that as you have to to get him to sign on to a three-year and just do it on whatever day uh, is going to make the prorated figure keep you underneath of the ca- the, the tax apron. 
which every day that gets closer, but, you know, we'll see what happens. It definitely seems like they're going to, at the very least, convert him before the season is over. From Joe Cotiso, if House returns for the playoffs and starts, how how powerful could a Gordon, Rivers, Green, Shump, and Fareed bench be? It's going to be interesting to see. See, this is something we probably should have talked about uh, in relation to that, that, that optimal lineup question. Like, if House returns, does he get that starting lineup, that starting spot back? Like, or are the Rockets just so dead set on, you know, Eric Gordon starting? That That's a question that I would be fascinated to see. Like, because House is going to return. Does he get that starting lineup spot back? I think I would give it a try because having, like, the, the backup, having, like, your, your bench lineups be uh, either Harden or Chris Paul, depending on, you know, rotation times, and you have, like, Eric Gordon, uh, Kenneth Freed, Shumpert, and Green coming off the bench, that's that's a lot of punch. Like, and that also makes, makes Austin Rivers uh, a bit more expendable, which, as much good as he's done for the Rockets on that contract, the more expendable he is, the better. From Harden for MVP at TJJ season, most favorable slash least favorable playoff seeding situations. Who gets cut from D'Antoni's short playoff rotation? Hypothetical offseason trade targets. Uh, this is a lot to take. A in. Let's compound start with the... question. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, most favorable slash least favorable playoffs seeding rotations. Well, the one um, you want is the one, and the one you don't want is the eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the Rockets could could get could avoid that eight seed, that would be ideal. <laughs> this is very complicated by the fact that the the two and the one looked extremely closed off quite recently, but the Nuggets lost a bunch of games and the Warriors are losing a bunch of games. Uh, and so they, the one seed is probably off limits, but if the Warriors keep coughing up games like this, then who knows? And if the Nuggets cough up games, which they're not doing tonight, it looks like they're beating the crap out of the Lakers as they ought to. But uh, the, if... The three could come up, like the two could come available if the Nuggets give them any ground, especially because uh, the Rockets ha- have a game against both these teams left. They already have a tiebreaker on the, the Warriors, and if they win the next game against the Nuggets, which seems pretty likely, uh, then they'll have that tiebreaker as well. So they're only a few games back right now, which it's it's still more than is reasonable, but it's not out of their own possibility. So the Rockets shouldn't just go ahead and concede that they're fighting for three through six seeding. Uh, they do have a sliver of a chance at going for above the three seed, and so they just need to beat absolutely everyone they can and hope for the best. Right, yeah. So in summation, I would say uh, the three or four seed is a realistic target, and the and the two seed is like the ideal, ideal, but it's going to be really hard to get. Like you'd pretty much have to go nearly undefeated to get that to get that two seed like you're gonna have to lose like maybe one to three games from here on out like it's they're gonna have to go on a, a significant run a lot of winning streaks and um it's gonna be hard and you're you're gonna have to hope for denver to lose some key games and they have a game against denver you have to win that game like you have to win that game against denver to have any sort of chance at the two seed but i think a real a reasonable goal is the three or the four seed yeah, the they they definitely yeah they could get the Denver game. Yes, uh, we'll see what happens though. Like d- it's really not worth worrying about right now until we get closer into it and we see more how things shake out. 
because uh, yeah, if if the if Denver and the Warriors do pull away a little bit, then it's a different ball game than if you know th they get closer to it. So uh, it's still too early to worry about the seeding because the Western Conference is totally bonkers. Yeah, essentially, you want home court advantage in the first round, and you'd like to get avoid the Warriors bracket. But if if not, like the four seed is a very like. A four seed is a, a really nice way to come out of the season, considering how they started. If you started 11 and 14, and you're telling the 11 and 14 Rockets fans, like, hey, you're, you're going to come out of this with the four seed, like, they would be elated. Like, I, I think yeah. if you tell if you tell fans at that time that don't worry about it, you're going to come out of this with still with the four seed, like, that's that's a damn good get. Uh, yeah, I think it's all right. So what else do we have in this question? We have, uh, who gets cut from the short playoff rotation? Oh, man. Uh, Gerald Green, probably? Yeah, Gary Clark seems like he's really liminal right now also. Yeah, yeah. D Gary Clark is, like, I, I hadn't even considered him because I just thought that'd be automatic. Yeah, Gary Clark's not going to play in the playoffs. Um, Gerald Green is someone who I would watch for as may not get that much playing time unless the Rockets get some blowouts. Um, but although I, I will say Mike D'Antoni has a lot of trust in Gerald Green. So I would not be surprised if I'm wrong on that. But I would say Gary Clark, you're right. And Gerald Green is someone I would I would think does not play in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's all right. Uh, and yeah. then we'll see if Dene also has a candidate for just He's, oh yeah. yeah! I can't believe you forgot about the name. Yeah, he's a uh, he might play against certain matchups, but I think mostly he's probably going to be. Well, well it'll be whoever is less uh, disastrous, uh, Nene or Fareed, depending on like whose strengths are going to be better. Isaiah Hardenstein's not going to get any run. Uh, <laughs> no! Neither is neither is Vincent Edwards. Uh, so I apologize <laughs> for fans of those two players; they will not see playoff time. Um. But yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be probably those seventh no those eighth or ninth guys are gonna get cut from the rotation, and those eighth or ninth guys are Gerald Green, Gary Clark, and uh, Nene because Nene has looked very brutal this season, uh, and, and he's had some nice moments, but he's just getting to the point where if he, if he's not providing much for you, there's really no point in keeping him on the floor. So I I, I would say. Those three players are players to watch as somebody, some people who might get cut from the playoff rotation. Hypothetical off-season trade targets. You want to start here? Uh, uh, I have no idea who's going to be available in the off-season. Is the problem? Uh, it's pretty. I mean, obviously, you want the best players out there, and who knows who wants to be. I mean, I guess it's uh, Anthony Davis, right? That's that's uh, that's, that's candidate number one. Kevin Durant, number two, uh, <laughs> yep. right there. Uh, no, um, I would say hypothetical offseason trade targets. It's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Chumpert uh, and his contract this summer because uh, they obviously have his bird rights and they can resign him for however much they want and he would be a real a possible trade target like a sign in trade guy. Uh, P.J. Tucker, nice decent sized contract, somebody they could trade. Eric Gordon, somebody they could trade, but I would be surprised if Eric Gordon or PJ Tucker get traded unless it's a massive, massive trade that that we don't see coming. Um, I don't want to talk about the offseason right now. Like yeah, it, we're just we're just too far too away to go. That. 
Yeah. Like the playoffs is super important to before we even talk about the off season. Um, from Arian at Air X A N G eleven. Do you think Shumpert has a chance to be a starter once he's all healthy? Because I feel like he can take a lot of pressure off of PJ on defense. He can guard the best player on the other team as as well as PJ does. Plus, he has a great three point shot, just like Ariza last year. Um, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, as I said, I think he is, in my opinion, the ideal starter for Houston. Uh, I, I understand people would disagree, and think it's Eric Gordon. I think it sh- it should be Iman Shumpert. Um, I'm not sure. Like it's it's looking like Mike D'Antoni is probably going to run with Eric because he trusts Eric because he's been here every single year that Mike D'Antoni's been here. And he has an understanding of the system. He understands what the Rockets want to do on defense and offense better than any other player they can put in that spot. So I would say um, it's like it's, it's likely going to be Eric Gordon, but I, I do think Shumpert has a chance. Like, if I were to put odds on it, I would say, like, he's he probably has, like, a 20% chance at that starting spot. And, yeah, you're right. He can defend really well. Uh, he's ha- He has a ton of playoff experience, and I trust him to guard uh, a lot of twos and threes in the playoffs and even some ones that Chris Paul can't guard. Yeah, uh, he'll definitely get a lot of playoff minutes, and that's all that really matters. Right, right. Yeah, It'd be interesting to see Shumpert in a, um, in a series against the Blazers. I think that would be a nice series to see him start because you have to guard both Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And I don't think you'll see, you'll, you'll see PJ Tucker out on the perimeter against CJ McCollum. I think you'll see someone like Shumpert. Like, I, I think, I think that would be a nice series to watch to see if they insert Shumpert in the strong lineup from at Joseph King 27. Why is Demo still not on the Rockets? <laughs> oh, I mean, because he's terrible. You, know, you don't have to answer this question. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted yeah. to bring it up. Yeah, but okay. in case anyone was wondering what Donas Moda Yunus is up to, don't. So looking ahead at the end of the season, um, what's something you want the Rockets to accomplish going forward? Like just to end the season like strong. Like what's something they need to do to end the season strong in your opinion? I think they need to hold on to the three at least. Uh, I think that's going to put them in a much better position going forward, uh, especially if Denver holds on to the two, which seems to be currently most likely. Uh, then they, if the, the two three is Houston and Denver in some combination, then I think they have a really good path to the conference finals. I think that's got to be the goal. Uh, you don't have to win every single game. You you want to win every single game, but you know as long as you can stay ahead of. Uh, you know, the four and the five, whoever that is, even if Denver falls down and like Portland moves for us, make it whatever, just hold on to the three, keep out of the Warriors bracket because the Warriors are almost, are very likely to be the one seed. Uh, and then you set yourself up for a potentially good playoffs run, uh, not an assuredly good playoffs run like it was last year, but you still have the, you still have a very good chance of it doing really well. Yeah. So I'm not sure about you, but I've been monitoring the Rockets defensive numbers like a hawk um, <laughs> since the since they've got healthy and like it, it'll be interesting to see how high they can climb uh, up the defensive rebounding rankings and I want to see them get to like like 20 get to try to get to 20 in defensive rating like 
Like that that's that's I think that's a realistic goal. Right? They're twenty five right now. Uh five spots is is a lot of spots to climb, but I it's not too much when you really think about it. Can, if they can end this, if they can end the season with the twentieth best defense in the league, that, that's a lot of progress. It shows a lot of growth to me, and they've been a middling defense since the All Star break. You know, maybe try to get to top ten, end the season from the All Star yeah. break uh, to the end of the season in the top ten in defensive rating. Yeah, uh, and you know, obviously getting to getting above the bottom ten in defensive rating would require being very good on defense from here on out because there's a lot of previous numbers uh, that are averaging against that. So, yeah, uh, I think right now, I think you're right. You, they need to see some defense improvement, which they've been better at lately. They've been doing a lot better. Uh, they've had a really good net rating this this last month or so as well. So uh, that game against Toronto was particularly impressive to me. It like, was. They, they, they were just so good on defense from the start to the end. Like, the third quarter, they slipped up a little bit, but they ended the game strong, especially in, at the end of that third quarter. In the beginning of the fourth quarter, they had a really nice run there. Uh, PJ was all over the place, man. Like, like PJ's a nice little bar to watch the Rockets. Like, when, when he's on, like, when he's on it defensively, the Rockets are just so unbeatable. When he's grabbing these ridiculous offensive rebounds, when to, when he's guarding like when he has a really like tough defensive assignment like Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or LeBron James or whoever like he just turns it up to a different level and just plays with so much more effort and it it just it just emanates throughout the entire game for the Rockets um so the that that's a really nice game for the Rockets in my opinion like the, that might be their best non-warriors win of the season in my opinion uh, yeah, I think that's right, uh, and they need to keep on that tack. So once again, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's a long, it's a lot of season left, but they look a lot better now than they did earlier, which is better than the other way around. Right, right. Uh, can we talk about Mike D'Antoni really quick? Yeah, let's talk about him. He's from West Virginia. He is. He's he is. Last time I checked, he is from West Virginia. Um, Mike D'Antoni. I feel like he's just not getting enough credit for how he's helped turn the Rockets around. Like, uh, like he, he, like the, all the credit's gone to James Harden, and and credit to him, but he's just been so damn stable for Houston, and he and and one of the biggest things the Rockets did this season was cut the rotation to down to like eight, and like stop playing guys like, uh, like Carmelo Anthony, stop playing guys like um, Marquise Chris, and just stop playing the bad rotation guys. And a lot of coaches just would not do that. Like, I'm not sure if Steve Kerr would have done that. Like, like in that same position, I'm not sure if Steve Kerr would have had the gumption to cut the rotation down to, like, seven, eight guys. Like, that, that that's a really important thing the Rockets did early in the season. And he's just been so stable, like, for Houston throughout their run. And I know James Harden deserves 80% of the credit but I want to give a shout out to Mike D'Antoni here, man. He he's been really good. Yeah, uh, he's been getting some flack from people, but you know the, the Rockets have been disappointing a bit this season, so uh, of course he's going to get flack. Yeah, uh, the team seems to have responded really well to him in general. He is a player's coach. Uh, he seems like he's fit in really well with what the Rockets are trying to do over the last few years and kind of always. Uh, yeah, he he's been good with figuring out rotations. Uh, he does has his have his foibles. He does tend to play too short of a rotation. Uh, he does tend to uh, 
he does tend to play vets more than new guys, but he's actually been pretty good at uh, at playing, you know, your your Daniels House and your Gary's Clark this season. So I think he's really grown as a coach. Uh, I think having also guys like Bazelic around him has helped him a lot. It's been a really good fit, and I don't see why anybody would want to uh, disturb this. Yeah, and, like, to me, like, that game against Miami in particular sticks out in my head. Like, when they lost Chris Paul in Miami, and they were starting to get a rhythm, but they Chris Paul goes down, they had every excuse to fold up and lose, like, the next ten games. Or, like, eight of their next ten games or whatever. Like, like they had every excuse to just fold and be like, okay, it's just not happening for us this season. We'll try to get an eight seed, and maybe we don't make the like maybe we don't make the playoffs, but it's okay. We'll get a nice lottery pick. They had every excuse to go that route, and and D'Antoni just would not let them fold. He just wouldn't like he at all at, at no point in the season did he kill his players in the media, which a lot of play a lot of coaches would have done. That that's very common. Like that happens all the time. When 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 a team starts the way the Rockets started, Mike D'Antoni could have went off on the Rockets. He could, he could have grabbed the microphone at any point and just said the most ludicrous things and just went off. And he didn't. At no point did he do that. The Rockets kept faith. He was really calm throughout the run. And I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like he does. He deserves some credit for that. Like, and you're right. Mike, the Rockets fans have turned on Mike D'Antoni a little bit this season. But I don't, I, I don't really understand why. I think he's actually been one of their, one of the main reasons they've turned it around. Like, the Rockets are the second best offense in the league this season. Like, like that's ridiculous. Considering at the start of the start of the year, they're like a bottom ten offense. Like, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember it when was they bad were like for a while? Yeah, like they turned it around from that to being the second best offense in the league. That's incredible, man. Like that's and and Mike D'Antoni deserves a ton of credit for that. Like the 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 team took on his identity and came together. And I don't know. I just feel like you know. Obviously, I wrote I wrote that story on him, and I feel like he deserves a lot of credit for what the Rockets did this season. Because like the Rockets had a, so many points in the season where they could have qu- folded up and quit. And I, I'm just so impressive at the you know just the character of this team. And Mike D'Antoni deserves a lot of credit for molding that character. Uh, yeah, the fact that they are even in contention for the two seed at this point in the season is. Uh, extremely impressive. And, Damn right. Yeah, yeah, that's like you don't have. They don't have to go on to win the championship for this to have been a hell of a thing for them to come back from. Uh, and yeah, this team is this team is awesome. Uh, they're a lot of fun. They have shown a lot of character. I think uh, they have given us a reason to continue watching when it really seemed like there was not going to be any. And yeah, every, I think everyone involved uh, in the team uh, shares a bunch of credit, especially Mike D'Antoni. Though the most, especially James Harden, because my God, James Harden. Yeah, yeah, I, I would one hundred percent agree with everyone. Everyone who's praised James Harden this season, he's been incredible. Oh, let's end on this because I wanted to talk about this MVP. MVP. That's something we didn't talk about for the majority of the season, and that's that's on me. We should have talked about it more. But uh, James Harden's obviously played incredible, played himself into the MVP race, and he's near the top. Who's your MVP right now? Look, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and be open that I, lo- I love James Harden and his game, and I would prefer him to win MVP over uh, a group of similarly qualified candidates. All right? 
uh, I have a bias because I, I really like James Harden and I like this team. Uh, so I would uh, like you're to gonna beat James me Harden to it. it. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna beat me to it. All right, go go go. Yeah, uh, Giannis I think is right in the same category with him. I think they're both honestly about equally deserving of MVP. So I'd rather see James Harden get it because I really like James Harden and I think he is uh, one of the most dominant players of all time. And I think that it would really do a lot for his legacy. So uh, I like the guy. I love his game and I want to see him win. All right, damn! You beat me to it. Well, <laughs> you know, you you, you did it because you, you you didn't explicit, you didn't explicitly say it. I have Giannis as my MVP, and I feel like I'm in the minority right now in the Houston media market. Like I, I've asked around, and a lot of people are leaning Harden, although the, the Houston reporters don't have a vote this year. And I'll explain it. Like I just think, if you're a Rockets fan and you're angry about that 2017 MVP that went to Russell Westbrook, like. The best thing you can do to make that MVP look like a historical anomaly is get behind Giannis. Get behind Giannis with your full force. Support the Giannis train. Get behind because then that MVP in 2017 that went to Russell Westbrook looks even worse. Like if you want to be, if like because I've seen a lot of Rockets fans argue, oh, it's not consistent. Well, if you, you want it to be consistent, you can't turn around and say Harden deserves it this year. And I think Harden has a deserving case this year. I still think it's Giannis because historically. It's gone to the winningest candidate. I I think that's the way it should go. Like if if there's a tiebreaker between two candidates, I think it should go to the the team that's won the most games. The Bucks are going to win 62 games this season. Like they're going to win 62 games. That's ludicrous, man. Nobody had the Bucks winning 62 games at all, at all. I don't think anyone's even even had them winning cracking 60. Like that that's a ridiculous win total, and I think. You know that deserves to be rewarded with the with the highest individual honor in the sport, and I I understand a lot of Rockets fans that might disagree with me. I just think if you want consistency in the MVP award, you need to get beyond Giannis, man. And the correct candidate this year, in my opinion, is Giannis. Uh, How do you like that? Uh, How do you like that? <laughs> that's a that's a weird combination of fairness and spite. <laughs> dropping, dropping the heaters. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that Giannis is totally uh, equally deserving as James Harden, or at least equally enough. James Harden and Giannis are the clear number one and two in some order right now, and I think that uh, to feel that either one of them would be like undeserving of it is ludicrous. So uh, I, I have no problems with Giannis winning it because he's been absolutely incredible this year, and his team has been absolutely incredible. So, yeah. Uh, Houston fans just need to not worry about everything yeah, he, so yeah, much. <laughs> anyone who's saying it would be ridiculous for Giannis to win the MVP this year, like, get out of here with that. Stop that. Stop that right now. Like, you look you look foolish if you're saying that. Because Giannis has had an incredible season and historical in its own right. It's been quiet because he hasn't played a lot of minutes and and Harden's had to carry the Rockets back from 11 and 14, but it's been damn good. And he's been consistent, and he's been really good all year. And he's played great defense, and his season is totally deserving of the MVP. You can be a you can be a Rockets fan and support Harden for MVP. That's fair. Like go go root for your guy, but don't go at these voters who are who are legitimately trying to make a difficult call on their part. Like, if anything, you're swaying them in the wrong direction. Like you're swaying them. To vote against Harden out of spite, like uh, I just, I just think like 
Rockets fan, like, you just relax. Like, like if the MVP goes to Giannis, it's totally fair. And I think it should go to Giannis because I, I, I think historically it's the correct decision to go. Like, they're going to win 62 games. Giannis is putting up amazing numbers. He's been ridiculously efficient. The Bucks are top five in offense and defense. Harden is certainly deserving. I get, I get any voter that, that tends to lean Harden. But I think Rockets fans need to chill on this, man. Like, if Giannis wins the MVP, it's fair, and he deserved it. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not Russ in 2017. Like, that, that to me, I could get behind that being a huge oversight. Like, that, that's the one MVP for Harden where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I think he should have got that one. And I think that, that, that's a reasonable MVP to be upset about. Steph deserved that first MVP, and I think Giannis deserves this MVP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're all deserving candidates. And uh, my take is that the sooner Rockets fans all let go of that the the heart the Westbrook MVP the better. <laughs> no, don't let go of it. Well, what I'm don't use that as an excuse for for this, for this being the right decision for Hard being the right decision this season. That's what I'm saying. Let it go as an argument for this year. But if you want that MVP to look ridiculous, you should not be going at voters who um, are trying to make a decision right now. You should not be going at them and using that MVP as proof. Well, if any. If anything, it, you're kind of contradicting yourself there, right? Like, because that MVP obviously went to um, the, the player with the least wins, and the player with the least wins this season is probably going to be hard. Well, uh, I I think they are legacy-defining, so I think it'd be good if James Harden had a more defined legacy. But also, if uh, Giannis's legacy is defined early, that's great, too. What I'm saying is, uh, go both Giannis and James Harden. I like you both. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Yeah, we ended the we ended the podcast hot. We ended the podcast hot. We got really emotional. We got really into it. I like it. I like the energy. I like the questions <laughs> we got this week. Yeah, good uh, questions, y'all. Yeah, we got a lot of great questions this week. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a five star rating on iTunes. I keep on forgetting to say that in these outros, but give us five stars on iTunes. It helps people find the show. It helps other listeners support our work. And we want that to happen. We want that to happen. Uh, And yeah, guys, good night.